Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship. Let's stand this morning. In Psalm 69:30, it says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. So let's do that this morning. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide. This weary soul, this bad bones. I try with all of my might. I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I Kathy Connor. I'm one of the pastors at First Pres, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. What do you most need as you come in here this morning? Do you need to be refreshed? 
Do you need to be restored? Do you need to be reignited with energy and more? When Jesus saw people coming toward him, you know what he asked them? What are you looking for? And as you came in here this morning, Jesus is asking, what are you looking for? Are you here looking for the strength to deal with circumstances? Are you here looking for community and a deeper connection with others? Are you here looking for healing in your heart, direction, wisdom? I am confident, 100% confident, that God will meet you where you need him the most as we begin to worship together this morning. And if you're new to First Pres, I want you to know that we would be so honored to serve you in any way that we can. If you fill out the connect card that you see here where you can scan this QR code, it will take you directly to our website or go to the website after worship or fill one out at the welcome tent outside after worship, just out through those doors. It will enable us to get to know you, to serve you, and honestly to just help you feel much more at home. If you can't tell already, we're excited around here about building real relationships with each other and with God. Relationships that lead to the kind of transformation that we all long for. Please pray for me now. Heavenly Father, we know we have a longing in our heart for more. That much we know. And for some of us, it's clear we know that we're hungering, we're longing for you. Perhaps for others of us, we're, we're not sure what that longing is all about, but we're here. And Lord, I ask that you would do what you always do, that you would meet people where they need you the most. Lord, you would meet the one who is hungering for more meaning in their life, that you would meet the one that needs healing. Father, that you would meet the one that is looking for strength and energy things that we just can't make up ourselves. We can't pull off on our own steam. Oh God, we ask for these things because we know we can be confident in you. You are abundantly clear that you want to pour your grace on us, your mercy, your strengthening, empowering love and sense of purpose into each of us because we each matter to you. We also know that there are people in our hearts that matter to you, Lord, that are on our minds, people that are hurting and struggling with illness and circumstances that are overwhelming, Father. So in the silence of our hearts, we lift them up to you now, entrusting them into your care, and we name them. Father, we also pray for Joe Lackey this morning, and thank you that he had successful surgery this week. We ask that you would bring great healing and just nurture in him a sense of confidence that he's going to be just fine. Lord, we thank you also that Mike Cantor's surgery is behind him and that he's healing well. We ask that you would strengthen his body. We pray for Donna Turner, Lord. We ask that you would help her dealing with severe bronchitis and asthma that just will not go away. We're asking for your healing grace over her. God, please encourage her. And as you always do, we ask every that you would continue to encourage our friend, Jackie Fairclaw, having been in an accident so many years ago, but now, Lord, remains in a hospital setting. We're asking, Lord, that you would lift her up Heal her, not just her body, but her heart and her soul and her mind. And keep reminding her, Lord, how loved she is by you and by us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We've got a couple things to tell y'all about. The first is that this Thursday, we are hosting something called I Was Broke, But Now I'm Not. 
And it's an amazing personal finance seminar that we're going to offer. It's to help you win with your money with a Christian perspective. It's free. There's free childcare, free pizza dinner. We want to make it as easy as possible to get you through these doors so that you can leave encouraged and empowered. It's Thursday from 6 to 8. We would love to have you. The next thing I want to tell you about is VBS is coming this summer. We already have 100 kids signed up to come hear about Jesus and have fun in this building for a week this summer. We're so excited to host it here at our new property, but we need your help, right? (laughs) So we need 20 adult volunteers. An adult, in case you were wondering, is over 18 years old. And we also need 10 high school volunteers. Here's the thing, people. We're not asking for five days. You could give one day. You could give three days. It's in the morning. It's from, I think, 9 to 12. We have free child care if you have babies. And if you're a high schooler, we can give you service hours. I, um, I can only do it two days this summer. I'm going to do it on Thursday and Friday. I would love for you to join me. It's one of my favorite things to do and one of my favorite times to spend with my kids. So we'd love to have you. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Kristen Connor, and shocker, Kathy asked me to come up here and uh, (laughs) talk about the women's event that's coming up. Um, It's called Real, and we've kind of rebranded a little bit, or I wouldn't say rebranded, but um, just kind of changed what the event looks like. Um, A few years ago, we used to do more of an overnight, um, but as the group kind of talked and we just realized we had a kind of a hole in um, not having a ton of opportunities to invite friends of ours who don't really know Jesus. And so um, starting last fall, uh, we basically kind of changed it to be more of a dinner with a speaker. And we had Allie Worthington last year in October, and she was amazing. And it was just a really awesome opportunity for us to kind of invite, like I said, our friends who either don't really know Jesus or who aren't super plugged in um, anywhere. And I know, for example, I bought my own table, and so I invited people so that way um, the cost of the dinner and the speaker wasn't, you know, prohibitive. And I know a few friends of mine went in on a table, um, and they bought it so they could also invite friends. And so it was just a really neat time for us to spend some, you know, time together. And then also as Annie Downs like to say, sneaky Jesus them, because <laughs> um, Allie's talk last year was just more about time management, but she really talked about how, um, you know, she kind of wove God a little bit in there, but it was just a really awesome opportunity to kind of open those doors and those conversations with my friends who probably wouldn't, to be honest, come to church or come to my life group. So um, anyway, that's just kind of my take on it. I hope that y'all really think about um, using it as as an opportunity to invite your friends who um, are just maybe a little unsure or like really don't want anything to do with God right now. But um, the speaker is Rebecca Lyons, and she is incredible, um, has written a lot of books. I've listened to a bunch of her podcasts, and she's um, just going to be great. So I hope that y'all as women that we um, take this opportunity to I would say invite your friends who may not be at church, and we use this as an outreach opportunity. Good morning. It's so nice to see my family on Sunday mornings. Um, I get to do one of the sweetest things that anybody gets to do in my job, and I get to celebrate and congratulate those who have taken all their tests and done all their things and now they get to graduate and I know we have some graduates that are here in the room if you are graduating from high school and you've come to join us this morning now would be the time to come forward so um, if you don't mind I'm not gonna embarrass you I promise I'm not even gonna ask you questions you don't even have to say anything Um, we just want um, anybody who would like to be recognized, come on up right now. It's a great time for that. You're also going to see up here on the screen some recent and graduation photos of my friends. Um, some of them um, I'm going to see for the first time as I see the monitor back there. But you guys, I don't know that you've really ever thought about this, but the footprint of our church continues to grow every time these guys leave. 
they grow up here. They learn to serve here. They, they've worked at VBS here. They've, they've served with Matthew 25. They've served in any number of other capacities. And now all of our DNA, the things that they've grown up knowing, go with them. Whether they're going to a local school or they're going off, uh, you know, who knows how far. Some, whether they're leaving Plant or other high schools, we have an incredible group yet again of young people who are going to take what they've learned here on to their next steps. And beyond these guys, if you look in your seats, you're going to see we have a mountain of people graduating from university and secondary schools of all different kinds that are doing the same thing. Some are bringing what they've learned somewhere else back home to Tampa, and hopefully we'll see them here in this room soon. Um, but our footprint, our DNA, the way that we take real relationships and, and encourage real transformation continues to go out further and further as these incredible young people go on to their next steps. We have some who could be here, some who couldn't for a million different reasons, but can we just give them a round of applause? They have worked so hard. You guys, I'm extraordinarily honored to know you and to have served you and to have been involved in your life at various levels. Um, I'm going to pray for you right now and kind of commission you and send you off into your next steps, all right? Would you all pray with me, please? Lord God, it is an honor and a privilege to be with these young scholars, with these people who have taken every test and continued to do it with joy in some cases. God, we, we know that you have been with them. We know that you have guided them. We know that you are raising them up to be the leaders of this next generation, this emerging generation of Jesus followers. God, as they take their next steps forward, whether to universities or to other schools or into the workforce, God, we, we pray that your presence would be made known. We pray that you would encourage them when they are low, that you would buoy them when they are high. God, that you would be near them and close to them, and they would have no doubt that the God that made them loves them and takes them forward. God, that their church family is for them, that we are here to do whatever we can to encourage them and, and help them move on um, in their, their godly lives as well as whatever is coming next. God, thank you so much for all of the moments that have led to this, the things that have continued to build on them and continue to help them see that you love them so very, very much. God, as they prepare to walk across stages and take steps off into their next adventures, I just pray a special blessing on my graduate friends. And God, for all who are graduating all the other schools, whether here in Florida or all the way to England, God, we, we have incredible people who are graduating and celebrating all over our globe that have ties to this family. God, know that this family is celebrating in a big way. It's in your name that we get to pray all things over these incredible young people. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Congratulations. I want to bring a picture up, if you would, a picture of my women. They're coming. Do you see the women in this picture? It's faint, but can you see their faces? You are looking into the faces of women who have been trafficked in the sex industry in Tampa and who are just now beginning to believe that they have worth and dignity because of the ministry of created with whom First Pres is in partnership. And when you give back to God, you are investing in their lives. So created cuisine, you can see the frying pan with the heart and the butterfly coming out of it. Created cuisine was launched in order to create job skills offer them certification in culinary training, and start a culinary catering business that we hope will be the most sought after in Tampa. You can even order a meal, a single family meal, any week. You don't have to have a big event or a party. You can just order food for your family if you'd like to. 
This business was built from the ground up to redeem, restore, and transform lives. And that's what God's generosity looks like, one life at a time. However you give, whether you use the five platforms that you're about to see or you use the generosity box in the back of the room, you will be communicating to these women that they are loved by Jesus and by you. Thank you with all of my heart. Friends, let's continue to stand and sing together.
also to those of you who have just graduated from something, from high school, from college, from medical school. Fantastic, huh? Just exciting to be alive in this world today. So go get them out there. That's what I want you to do. Before we go to Joan, I want to ask you what you're doing tonight at 1028. Can you stay awake to watch it? So it's so we have a lunar eclipse tonight. We have a big moon, a, what's it called, a super moon, and then it's going to last about two hours. I myself will be night-night. I'll be looking at the back of my eyelids. But if you have the courage, stay up late and watch that thing. You know, here's, here's the reason I mention it before we go to Jonah. The reason I mention it is because in our world today, there's a great deal of conflict about how to make sense of things. And I would suggest to you that a thoughtful, careful person can look at the magnificence of creation. And you can conclude from that intelligent, loving design. There's a designer out there. I read, a, read an atheist astronomer say that somehow somebody has monkeyed with the universe and with chemistry and biology. And this brilliant person does not believe there's a creator, but in effect said there must have been one. So in your relationships with people, and Kristen so eloquently invited you to use your life in this event, everything, to onboard people into loving, non-judgmental conversations, you rest assured in knowing that this unbelievable thing that's going to happen tonight, oh, there's a creator. This is not an accident. That's the only way you can explain it if you take a creator out of the equation. It's accidental, random. And I'm not using those words colloquially. Those are real scientific terms. And so you, it doesn't mean that you don't have sometimes some questions. And it doesn't mean the person who says, I don't believe in God, doesn't mean it with integrity because you, you're no better than they are. But you can be loving with people and differ with them, knowing that somehow the magnificence of it all, whoa, 
It's, I just, and one other thing about that, I caught a 32-inch redfish on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and I held that thing in my hands, and I could feel it. They're drumming, they grunt, and the males will grunt. And then I put it carefully back into the water, and off it swam. You tell me that's an accident. <laughs> me catching the fish was an accident. <laughs> oh, that beautiful beast. And then porpoises crashing us as we were trying to catch snook. Oh, there's a God out there. Love the people who might be deeply doubtful about that. But with yourself, take it all in. That has has nothing whatsoever to do with Jonah. (laughs) But as I was kind of wondering how to say hello this morning, I wanted to comment about the lunar eclipse, and so there we go. We always want to think about God first when we think about our experience. And begin at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the earth and the heavens. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Start there, and then you can have a foundation for this very difficult and challenging world we live in. Jonah. Jonah ain't paying careful attention to the beauty of the creation. We're going to spend four weeks with Jonah. There's four chapters in this little book. Some of you may have heard of the book of Jonah. You're thinking about this big fish that swallows him, and that's, that's what probably most of us think about. But there's so, so much more than just that that happens. And I'll quote Bono here, you too. I believe everything in the Bible, even the weird stuff. My favorite theologian, huh, Bono? So just go with it, okay? The book doesn't make a whole lot out of it, and I wouldn't either. I've already suggested to you that the creator of the universe is at work. So let this be what it is. But meanwhile, Jonah doesn't seem to be listening to God, and here's what I want you to know. In chapter 4, you've got to come back and keep coming back. Chapter 4, Jonah is going to accuse God using God's description of himself. And here it is. The description of God that Jonah quotes comes from the book of Exodus, the second book, Exodus. In chapter 34, God says, I am merciful and just, full of compassion and love that never ends. That's a kind of a loose quote. But merciful, just, compassion, and never-ending love. Those four things are in there in the Hebrew, rich Hebrew language. And God's describing his character. That's what's going on. God is saying, here's who I am to all of us. And Jonah knows it because he knows the book of Exodus. And then here is what is really important for us to get today. And Jonah doesn't get it. God is going to ask you and me to do things we don't want to do. He asked Jonah to do something he doesn't want to do. He's going to ask Jonah to love people that Jonah loathes loathes might be asking me to love some people I loathe I'm not might I'm certain of it I am being challenged by God in my personal life to love people who in many ways I loathe no question about it and here's the question we want to ask as we think about chapter one another question from what or from whom are you running because he's going to take off and run Jonah is. So the God of the universe is merciful and just. We're talking about God's character. And Jonah is not wanting to live with God's character. And he is full of compassion and full of love that never ends. And when God asks you to do something and asks me to do something, asks Jonah to do something that I don't want to do, just be certain of this. The same almighty God that created the universe, this is his character. And he will never ask you to do something that isn't in line with his character. And therefore, his will, merciful, just, full of compassion. And later on, I'm going to try to turn that into gentleness. Full of compassion and love that never ends. A beautiful Hebrew word, chesed. You have to almost spit on the person in front of you to say it. Chesed. It's hard to translate in English. Never A covenant love, never-ending love, everlasting love. That's the kind of way that the translations usually come over. That's God's character. And so he comes to Jonah, and he, he puts a challenging question on Jonah. And I've already leaked. Spoiler alert. We already know. You may, you may not know it, but Jonah's not going to take it. So here's the, I'm going I'm to tell you the story of chapter 1 first and then quickly read through it. Jonah is going to get asked by God to go to a city, Nineveh. It's Assyria. It's, Jonah is in Israel. Assyria slash Nineveh is to the east. 
Those are the people that keep crushing the Israelites militarily. Those are the people who worship every the sun, the moon. They kill babies. They have prostitute temples, all this. They're pagans. And God is saying, Jonah, man of God, go to them and tell them about me. He's saying, not me, baby, and splits to the west. <laughs> he goes all the way, gets, goes to the coast, only about 30 or 40 miles away, gets on a boat, buys a one-way ticket, and goes all the way past Gibraltar. <laughs> That's where he's headed. Tarshish is the name of the place he's headed. That's the story. It doesn't go well for Jonah. Jonah's going to end up in trouble. So if you're being asked by God to do something you don't want to do, here's another little thing that's in there. There's always a boat headed in the wrong direction. And guess what? God might sometime need to cause a storm to happen to get your attention. So let's read Jonah chapter 1. Again, there are four chapters. Next week's chapter 2, the following week chapter 3, and the last week chapter 4. And we're just going to have a great time thinking about the character of God, just and merciful, and paying careful attention to God's gentleness, compassion, and God's love that never ends. God's going to ask you to do stuff, and oftentimes you're not going to do it. And there's a lot of directions you can go other than the one God wants you to go in. So let's, let's look through this first chapter. It's 17 verses long. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. This is code to say he's a prophet. Jonah is a prophet. And the prophet's job in the people of Israel, in the Jewish religion, is to be a watchdog. They're a watchdog of the covenant relationship between God and the people. Hey, folks, you're getting it right. Way, way to go. Folks, you're messing up bad. And if you keep doing this, it's going to go really bad for you. That's what the prophet's job was. And so this prophet is being told by God, the word of God. This is, this is a formula in Hebrew. Anybody who can read Hebrew and all the Hebrew people, as soon as they heard those words, as soon as they hear those words, bang, they know prophet, 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 prophet. What's coming next is God speaking. Here's what God says. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. That's what Jonah's being asked to do. Watch what Jonah does. Nineveh, remember, is east. Jonah says, hard no. <laughs> Runs away from the Lord, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Again, you go to Google and say biblical Tarshish, and you're going to find a little point on a dot on the other side of the point of Gibraltar where the, uh, Spain and, uh, and uh, Morocco almost meet. That's where he's going. A long way in the other direction. Go east, young man. No way. I'm headed that way. Already Jonah's wrestling with mercy and justice. What Jonah's asking, no. He says, no. Why? Because he can't get it. He doesn't understand why would God care for these loathsome, disgusting people. And you're going you're gonna to wrestle with that too. You guess what? I think God is asking you also to be compassionate, to be gentle with people who you differ deeply with and who make you so mad. You don't want to do it. Imagine if Jonah had TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Would he be hating out there bad? Would he be canceling these people? Oh, yeah. I'm not good enough on any of those things. At least I know how to say them. I know how to say TikTok. He would just be harshing on God and on these Ninevites, Assyrians, people who they loathe. And for, think about it. It, it. Let me illustrate it for you. What God is asking Jonah to do is sort of like this. He's asking a Ukrainian Orthodox priest to go straight into Russia to the Kremlin and stand on the steps and preach at Vladimir Putin telling him to repent. So I, I get it. That's what he's being asked to do. Now, if you did that, if you went to the Kremlin and told Putin he needed to repent as a priest, you're going to, hey, he's not going to repent, and B, you got a good chance of losing your head. So 
we can understand. Jonah, however, has not lived long enough with what he knows but hasn't ingested. That is the character of God. So Jonah's having a hard time putting justice and mercy together. You and I put it together on the cross of Jesus. Because what happened fixed on the cross, what happened fixed the problem. So it's the most unjust, most heinous evil ever perpetrated, but somehow the price had to be paid. So Jesus is both just and the justifier. And in the word justifier is his compassion and never-ending love. The price gets paid, must be fair, must be right. Evil must be dealt with. But on the other hand, there's the mercy. And Jesus is both at the same time. That's what you and I can sit down on top of. It's Easter. We're still in the Easter season. And he's not hanging on that cross anymore. He's alive. And so we have justice in, and mercy in the person of Jesus. And Jonah just can't get it. So on we go, continuing to read. Jonah ran away from the Lord, head for Tarshish, went down to Joppa. That's on the coast on the eastern Mediterranean where he buys a one-way ticket and heads off to Tarshish. He pays a fare, gets on the boat, and off he goes to flee from the Lord. He's running. I ain't doing this. Next, the Lord sends a great wind on the sea. Wake up, Carl. Maybe you can see that in your own experience. Maybe there's been some kind of storm that's taken up in your life. And just to be clear, sometimes negative things happen, and they're not because we've done anything wrong. They just happen. Right? And then we can use them. God might use them as a, a way to get our attention. Sometimes the stuff we do wrong has a one-to-one -one correlation with the negative stormy stuff in our life. So in other words, not every storm is because I did something wrong, but... Every time I do something wrong, there's a storm. Maybe I should say that again. You with me? Not every storm is, a re, is, a, is caused by us being sinful. But every time I screw up, there's a storm that comes with it, and it hurts people. Always people get hurt. Always. Never. Not the case. Relational vandalism. So there he is. A storm comes up. Now, what does God do in this for? I believe to get the man's attention. A violent storm, the ships threatened to break up. All the sailors are afraid and cried each out to his or own God. Now, this is the, the point here is that these sailors are not children of Israel. They're pagans. They're from some other religious worldview where you worship the sun, the moon, the, the lunar eclipse, etc. They're afraid and cry out to their own God, and they throw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Already the storm and Jonah's misbehavior is causing problems for other people. But Jonah had gone down below the deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I'm wondering, how could you sleep? Well, I think he's depressed. I think it's despair. I think he's given up. He's in a storm. He doesn't want to go where God wants him. He knows, he's, he knows God is God, but he goes the other direction. I think he's bitter. He, Jonah is having lots of problems. So the captain rebukes him. Watch this. How can you sleep, get up, call on your own God? Maybe he'll take notice of us, of us so that no one will perish. The captain is rebuking Jonah. Then the sailors say to each other, come, let's cast lots. Casting lots would have been a way in the ancient world to try to discern the divine will. Maybe what they did is wrote each guy's name down on a, on a stick, pull one. They did that. It pulls up Jonah. No, no surprise there. So they cast lots. Come, let's see who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and it falls on Jonah. The person who should have least likely had any sense of God's presence, the captain, basically says to Jonah, don't you care about anybody? You're self-absorbed. You're self-saturated. We, we could lose our lives, and you're asleep. Do something. So they asked. That, so they asked, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? They don't know who Jonah is. Where do you come from? What kind of work Jonah is supposed to be doing? Is he supposed to be the watchdog of the word of God on the people, but he's running in the other direction? Who's, who's making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? And he answers, I'm a Hebrew. 
and I worship the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew text here, God's name is there, Yahweh. And instead of printing Yahweh, most texts, English texts, print out Lord, capital L, capital L-R-D. But God then, said, at this point, says his name. He's the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. We already talked about that earlier. So that's Jonah is telling the truth here about who he is. This scares them. Notice what's happening. The non-Jewish people who are pagans are beginning to get the sense of the presence of the God of the universe. And Jonah's running from him. You see the irony here? The very thing that Jonah's supposed to do, take the message of God to people, people that don't know God, it's happening anyway, even though he's trying to get out of it. This is such a fantastic understanding of what's going on. So he's, he's, by his rebellion, is beginning to give portrayal of the goodness of God in its absence. So um, he asked, I'm a Hebrew worshiper. This scared them. What have you done? They're beginning to get even more and more of the sense of it. They knew he was running away, it says parenthetically, from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah picks, says, pick me up, throw me into the sea. It'll become calm. I know that's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. They don't want to do that. They... They don't want to kill an innocent man. They're scared to death to do that. Instead, look what they do. The men did their best to row back to the land, and they don't want to throw him overboard. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Again, thinking that a storm could be a way of God trying to get uh, Jonah's attention. So then they cry. Notice what's happening. The pagan sailors sense the presence of the almighty God of the universe, we, whose name Yahweh is here in this text. Look what happens here. They cry out to him. They're beginning to get the sense of it. They cry out to this God that they really know almost nothing about. Don't let us die for taking this man's life. They don't want to be held responsible. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Yahweh have done as you pleased. And then look what they do. Heave him. (laughs) Walk the plank, Jack. (laughs) Off Jonah goes. And now look at their response. This would be a way of responding to the complexity of life in the ancient world as we're today. They don't know what to do. And they do something that would have been sort of their habit. They made a sacrifice. Maybe it would be like you stopping somewhere and just putting your head down and praying. Man, this is just unbelievably difficult. And they're trying to make sense out of what's happened to them. And so they do the best they know how to do. They try to offer something to God. So they, men feared, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And now here's the great part. Look what happens next. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, spoiler alert, there's gastrointestinal uh, episodes coming next. You'll have to come back to find out what I mean by that. Either that or go get Jonah and read it for yourself. Just reminding you of a few points that we've been trying to make here. The first one is this. God very often is going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. Very often. And a corollary to that is you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. So what do I think God is asking Jonah to do? I think God is asking Jonah to see God's character at play in the call for Jonah to go and love people who he finds loathsome and unloving. And Jonah is a prophet, and it's his job to do it. What's your job that God has asked you to do in the world? You're, You're not a prophet. I don't think, I don't think, maybe one or two of us have that as a part of how God has wired us. But we all have jobs to do. We have literal jobs, we have families, we have a sense of crystal call call on our life. Kathy's involved in this thing called Created, and the people that lead that feel called to be a wedge between the trafficking and the rescue that is provided by Jesus. And they feel called to do it. Who would want to go onto the streets on a Friday night at midnight? meet these poor women but these folks do it they go 
They're not running from the problem. They're running to the problem. So there's a call on your life, and there's probably an edge to it that you don't like it. And, and there's lots of ways for us to go in the other direction. When I mentioned that I think that all of us need to think carefully about how we're going to be gentle, which is a way of being compassionate, and quit harshing on people. I find this to be deeply challenging because we, we're in such cultural tension. It's coming apart at the seams. And what I mean by that is we have this great, these great shifts going on in the way we view truth and reality. And we, we're, we're, we're moving into this kind of multiple choices kind of an environment. But the real problem on top of all of that, that's not new. The real problem is how we can be really ugly to each other. Don't, the, the boat in the wrong direction, I was playing, but I meant it. Faithful. How does it look like Jesus, like gentle, compassionate, when we harsh on somebody on social media? I don't, I'm, I'm not on social media much, <laughs> but when I go on Facebook, sometimes I see things I went, no, don't say that. If it's somebody I know, please just no, stop. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, and I want to judge them for doing it. You with me? But I don't. I stay out of it. God may send a storm to get your attention. So here we have literally a storm. And you may have been really literally out of line, sinning, rebelling, doing something wrong, and you feel the consequences. But it could also be a storm that happens just unfortunate, and it's a wake-up call for you. There's a man who was with us in our group Thursday morning. He's not here this morning. He was in a plane crash. And the, the pilot of the plane was killed. You all read about it 19 years ago. The, the details are not important this morning. But here's what he said about that plane crash. He survived it. A private jet. Wake-up call. He didn't do anything wrong. But what he said was, in essence, I was sort of playing at being a follower of Jesus. You know what's really interesting? He said, I'm still tempted to play at being a follower of Jesus. He's not really playing at being a follower of Jesus anymore. He survived the crash, injuries, the pilot, and one other person did not survive. Two, two made it, two didn't. Wake-up call. Those are the exact words. Another thing that is apparent in our lives and in Jonah's life is this. When we are disobedient, others are going to pay for it. And I called it also, I called it, I called it relational uh, vandalism. The sailors don't want to be responsible for whatever it is that's going to happen to this guy. But they were, because self-absorption and bitterness and anger and fear were the dynamics that were controlling Jonah's life, he was putting at risk other people. The last thing here that you want to, we want to point out is that Jonah's worst nightmare, which is to go to Nineveh, Jonah's worst, worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. He's going to have to learn gentleness, and he learns it, but he learns it the hard way. So I, I'm going to finish with this this morning. I want, you, I want you to think about gentleness. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm gentle. It doesn't mean we don't tell the truth, but it's how we treat people. One of the fruits of the Spirit, he says, I am gentle. That's the adjective. Fruit of the Spirit that we know when, when we're followers of Jesus and he's taken up resonance and it's, Paul says there are nine things that take place in our lives. Fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the same word that Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is light because I'm gentle and humble of heart. Gentleness means finding a way to treat people with compassion and never-ending love because that's the character of God. What are you running from? Maybe it's from what or from whom are you running 
It's a real challenge. I want you to do this. There's probably one person in your life, and you need to change gears with that person. Find a way. And I suggest you do this. You listen. I'm going to pray for us, fellow runners from God, (laughs) that we could all have the courage to stop, let the storm be a wake-up call, and allow ourselves to become gentle and allow ourselves to treat people with gentleness. Let me pray. We thank you, gracious God, that we can tell the truth about who we are and what we really want to do is celebrate that you are both merciful and just, and we see that in the cross of Jesus in his death and resurrection, and that you then challenge us to love people who we might want to loathe. We want to condemn even. Certainly Jonah wanted to condemn them. He couldn't put it together. We want to put it together. We want it to be evident in the way we treat people in the world that by our gentleness, people get the aroma of Jesus. That's how we want to be. Perhaps there's someone who has hurt us. Help us to be the people that trust you enough to go and gently work it out. Thank you, gracious God, that you loved us first. You loved us most. You never stopped loving us. And we then can become active agents, making evident this sweetness of spirit, this gentleness, this compassion that you want us to have for all your people, even those, gracious God, who are far, far away from us and from you. Amen. I'm going to invite you, before Adam does, to stand and we'll sing and we'll be out of here celebrating. Wait, wait, wait.